We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. It's your boy Impy in the host chair. Okay. Surrounded by two goats. Nick the Lamb, how you feeling today? Out here, dog. And I'm surrounded by Tip Trot. What's going on, brother? Man. Ah. That was more sheep. That was more sheep. No, you know, I'm, you know lamb. Dirty yeah, 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 there you go. lambs. Yeah. Uh, the Meek Mill bar. Uh, they call me the goat, but I'm in the lamb. Yeah, that's and my shit. I think about you every time. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so, uh. I don't want to call this an emergency pod. It is, but I want to call this an emergency pod. <laughs> it, it is. It, 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 it's also you know like a, a lot of shit has happened in the NBA, and we get swallowed by a hey, yo. We get swallowed by uh, NFL coverage, man. Especially this time of year, like yeah. the playoffs. This is why everyone you know plays a regular season for the playoffs and whatnot, and you know a lot of big storylines. But the M- NBA, man, last couple of weeks has been absolutely bonkers. Yep, so, including the rapidly paced fucking bombshell that we got hit with today yeah yo i did yo you guys texted me about it before i got an espn update let's go sources for real yeah well well i like like you know now with the show handles right like we we have we have degeneration bets we have veterans minimum and we follow a lot of people that cover the sports and my whole thing has always been like yo if you want good insight follow beat writers of certain teams because the guy on espn that's on uh on uh NBA coast to coast or whatever the show is now, he doesn't know the Nets the way the Nets beat writer does. So it's yeah. important to follow guys like that. And yo, shit hit the fan in like forty five minutes. Yeah, it was Crazy. like yo, KP went into a meeting with the Knicks and he was not happy and he requested a trade. Half hour later, I get to the gym and it's like yo, uh, Mavericks ad- agreed to a deal to acquire Porzingis. And then for thirty minutes, I'm I'm scrolling down my Twitter refreshing that shit because I don't know what the deal is. And then it, it turns out what the deal is. Yeah, for it's- those of you who don't know. Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and some undisclosed draft picks. Two, two first-round picks. Two first-round picks. 2021, I believe, unprotected, and 2023, protected one through 10. All right. Um, the Mavericks receive Chris Aspporzingis, Porzingis, Courtley Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and... Trey Burke. Trey Burke. Uh, so... For those of you who don't know, um, Courtney Lee was on the cap for thirteen to fourteen million dollars next season, and Tim Hardaway Jr. is on the cap for about seventeen to eighteen million over the next two seasons. So, uh, for all of you on social media seeing uh, a custom Knicks jersey with the number seventy-four on it, um, cap space last name dog. That's the amount of cap that. space that has been opened up. And uh, look, it's like I'm kind of in shock. Look, it, when I first. Heard about this trade? I, I posted on Veterans Minimum on the story. You're pissed. Pissed. Very pissed. Because, look, you got to look at it this way. Us Knicks fans, we don't know what it's like to draft a good player. We just <laughs> never do it. We, we had to call with Michael Sweetney 
and fucking Jordan Hill and fucking Frank Nicotina. And oh, he still has he yeah. still has potential. Don't but give up still, on him. Still, like we don't even know what it is to draft a good player. And then finally, we draft this player, and he's so special that his nickname is the Unicorn. Yeah. Right. He is the only one, the only one, and we traded him. Out of fucking nowhere. I literally I went on the subway Whoa. and I was listening to a I was listening to a podcast and I was on the subway and I put and I had low battery and I put it on fucking Airplane. Airplane. Two hours I was on airplane. When I left work, I had no clue that KP was even unhappy. By the time I turned my phone back on, he was traded. It's it's <laughs> uh, man, I really don't know where to go with this because I understand what you're saying, but at the end of the day, the writing was kind of on the wall. It starts with it starts with him missing the exit interview when Phil Jackson was the GM, right? Yep. And that's kind of when like the it all went the downhill. He's like starting to act a little divish. And with all due respect to KP, super duper talented, I don't think he has the clout to do all this. Hasn't and, done shit yet. Yeah, and with all due respect, you haven't even played more, over 65 games in a season. But the truth of the matter is this. They could have potentially got ahead of something that could have really bit them in the ass. And it, and we're probably going to talk about Anthony Davis a little bit later, but the truth is who who knows if KP, you know, was on the record or not on the record with the team, you know, behind closed doors saying, "Look, I don't want to be here long term." It's it's almost as if like the trust was broken because don't forget Steve Mills was underneath Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, maybe there's some bad blood still there in a sense of that like Giannis is his brother is his agent it's like dude with all due respect this is beyond repair at this point you know and it's like you know and and, and what bothers me too is like the Knicks did so well publicly you have you have a uh, 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 Fizdale flying to Lafayette over the summer to go hang yeah. out with him, right? Build that relationship. Go check on him because because he had the surgery or whatnot. When you go to a Nick game, KP's still on the jumbotron. His his face is still on the, on the court with the lights, right? It's yeah. like they, fly to Lafayette. You know you're you're Steve Mills on the right. Re- yeah, Steve Mills, Scott Perry, both uh, GM and, and president, both on the record saying he's our cornerstone. He's our guy. We're building around him, and so. You know, if you ask me, it, it seemed as if like they knew right away, or they've known for a little bit that you know he wasn't going to resign. And so at that point, if you know for a fact he's not going to resign, I'm all for it. And that's kind of the way you have to approach it. I think him requesting the trade, because let's not forget that's how it started. He went into a meeting with the Knicks, and he's like, "Yo, I, I don't like, that, I don't like what I see here." Could be a report, though. Yeah, it could be a report. So based off that, it could have been, "Yo, I don't like that we're losing. I don't like." He's not buying into the vision. Yes. And he's like, yo, I want out. At that case, organization, I'm all behind it. Yeah. All behind it. If your guy's not going to re-up, you got to get something for him in and, return. And thank God that I guess if we're if we're running with that narrative and if we're running with that theme of you got to get rid of him, we actually probably had more leverage now than we would have had half a year from now or a year from now, right? Yeah. Would you say we had more leverage? You, in lose, a sense? you lose all leverage if a guy comes out and says, yo, I'm not, I'm not re-signing with you. Because then the team that's trading for him would be like, yo, look, this is what I'm going to give you. This is the offer. Or else you're not going to get anything in return. Yeah. So well, it's like, that's, that's what happens with KB. KP, it, excuse me. He goes on the record, you know, whether, it, you know, whatever the case is, he's on the record saying, I don't want to be there. And it happened lightning quick. And so if that, so if. Watch says the longer, it was in the works already before yeah, he even said that. The, and it's funny, the Knicks play the Mavs, right? Just yeah, played, just played the match. And DSJ then gets a triple double in Masters Square Garden. Uh it's just it's just it's it's all happened so fast, man. Here, here's the thing though. This makes a lot of sense for a good franchise. Right? So, like, all right, all the things you said, he might not re up with us. Um, he's hurt all the time. Uh, he's acting like a diva. All these things are true. But by shipping him away, right, you you trade away without a doubt the face of your franchise. When people think of the Knicks, they think Chris Asporzinkis or they think Scrubs, right? Those are the two things they think about when they think of the Knicks. And when you trade this up, that guy away for cap space to sign two max contracts, you better fucking hit that, yeah. Yeah. right? You better get Kyrie Irving. You better get fucking Kawhi. You better get KD. KD. You better get Klay Thompson. You better get something. Yeah. You better get someone that is a premier name in this league. And the last person to sign with us that was a premier name in the league... Was Amari Stoudemire. Stoudemire. And, and that's only which, because we struck out 45 times for the people before him. And, and, and no one wanted to pay him because the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, for those that might not know, till this day, have the best medical staff, a lot of people say, in all the professional sports. So the fact that the Suns, and that, yo, that's always alarming to me. When you have a good organization 
like a medical staff like that and in-house they don't want to resign a guy kind of a red flag no yeah, like yeah. you know him the most you see him all the time so when you don't want to resign him and they strike out on chris paul dwayne wade chris bosh lebron james it's like oh my god what are we gonna do we've been building since 2007 to get rid of all this cap space for a free agent well here you go Mari. here's 100 million yeah and that's what ended up happening yeah so the only thing that i it's, it's funny it's like i'm a big frank nilikina fan mm. and uh he prevailed he made it. Stayed put. <laughs> he made it through. And so the only thing that I have to say is all you Nick fans out there that were, you know, scratching and clawing for Dennis Smith Jr., I have two things to say. One, you got him now, mm-hmm. right? And two, Dennis Smith Jr. was the 10th pick in the draft or ninth pick in the draft. Eighth. No, no, no. Frank was eight. Oh, he wasn't seven? No. He was nine. DSJ yeah, was DSJ nine. DSJ was nine. Oh, yeah. So everybody loves this kid to death, and yet Dallas – was quick to send him out. He uh, he doesn't really fit with Luca. Yeah, and they're that's, both ball dominating. Yeah, I just I just it just it just bothered me a bit that Dallas is really quick to move the guy that all us Knicks fans were, were like enamored with. You know, he plays New York ball. I think like he his type of style will be very popular here. Yeah, like he's a high flyer. He's a dunker. He's a kind of like J.R. Smith before J.R. Smith burnt away half his brain cells. No, like, I I think that. Well, look, now's the chance, right? Now now you show us why we should have drafted you in the first place. And I kind of like to fit. Nick and I were talking about this on the way here. Like, I like to fit with Frank. Like, Frank is a stud on the defensive end, and, and, and DSJ is a stud on offense. So you pair those guys in the backcourt. Nick, Nick, Nick brought up the, uh, what, the Chris Paul... Uh, Beverly, I was yeah, I was telling Impy, um, uh, James Harden, James Beverly. Harden, Beverly. Sorry. So look, if you look in the NBA, with the exception being the, uh, well, to an extent, even Golden State, Clay is a, a hell of a lot better defensive player than Steph Curry is. So the new NBA for you to have success, it seems like you need to have a backcourt where one guy is an All NBA offensive talent. Now I'm not saying Dennis Smith Jr. is that, but he was on the All NBA second team for rookies. Yeah. So it's a start. Um, you need to have a guy that's explosive offensively and dominant o- o- uh, offensively, and then you can hide him defensively because you have a guy like Frank Nilakina, who even though James Harden had that wild ass game, he was like, "Yo, you know, a lot of my shit came from the line." And he was when he was on me, he was giving me a run for my money. So when you have that that backcourt where you have a guy that's really good defensively and really good offensively, it works. So the pairing there works. And now, look, you get two guys that were highly touted coming out, and we're only a year and a half removed, man. And you guys know, if you've listened to the show, when it comes to draft picks that are lottery picks, I'm all for picking up on them. I'm not ready to give up on a kid that's 19, 20 years old because you got to give him time, man. Look at Oladipo. You wouldn't want Oladipo right now? Granted, he got hurt. He's out for the year. But, like, yo, Oladipo, they were they got rid of him for nothing from the Magic, and then the, the Thunder gave him up for nothing. And then he, he finally finds a spot, and he's developed. He's 24, 25 years old, still young. Anthony Davis is 25 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. these guys have been around for so long. They come in so young that you forget that, like, damn, son, AD's been in the league for seven years. It's like he's 25. You know, it, it just hurts because I, I think it happened so suddenly. And there's no, there's no trust built up between this franchise and our fan base. There's, there's no trust, yeah. being, you know, and so I don't trust him to go out and do the right thing. Like, yeah, you're right. Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nicolina, not a bad backcourt, right? But I'm in, I'm in New York, bro. Like, I want steak. I want fucking prime rib. And I want fucking, like, potatoes that yeah. were made in fucking cow jizz yeah. from a magic cow. <laughs> yeah, well, like fri- well. You're giving me a burger and fries from McDonald's. Well, yeah, well we you have a burger and fries, you know, in the backcourt with the idea that you know you land someone like a KD and someone yeah, like and that. also yo, I hate I hate to do this, but you're also the kind of Nick fan that drives Nick fans like me and it be crazy. Where it's How? like you want the instant gratification and the instant results. Where it's like yo, they they actually have some pieces in play. Remember the NBA preview show? Yeah. You're like yo, let's not do that, man. Look, we have we have our coach. We've accepted that we're going to suck balls this year. We finally have a draft pick that's probably going to be a top three draft pick. Because remember, if the Knicks right now, they have the worst record in the NBA, right? They have the worst record in the NBA. If you finish with the worst record in the NBA, you are guaranteed to have a top three pick. Yeah. So just just wait. Let's be patient. I'm not overreacting to this trade until the summer. If in the summer we don't land any names, then I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. Although, to be fair, again... I, I I would like to take that one step further. I'd like to, I, I'd say it's twofold. A, if we don't land anyone, right? 
Or what if KP doesn't resign with Dallas? And he comes back, no shot. No, 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 no. Not saying he doesn't come Do back. Do we win the trade? Because we we shed the contracts. We well we shed the well we shed the contracts, but we also traded for a guy that was never going to resign with us in the first place. And then the team that traded for him never got to resign him as well. Like I'm just thinking of this trade. Like you had like there's, there's certain situations where you have to think about trades into the future. And then like you said, this is one of them where, look, if we sign two max free agents that are studs, it doesn't matter. We could have shipped this guy away. And two, what if he never resigns with Dallas? Like I hear you, but here's my only problem with the trade. In order for this trade to be a win, either KPS be injured. KPS and not resign with the Mavericks, or we have to sign two players, or even one man. If we get KD, that's a win, or one, but only if it's KD. Yeah, that's fair. We can't have another guy. We can't, like, it can't just be Kyrie. Yo, yo, look. What if you land like we, a Kyrie and a Clay Thompson? Yo, I'm down. Yo, Frank Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox. You land KD, Mitch Robinson, stud. You, you get Zion, and then maybe you get like a Clay Thompson. You who's can, a I, secondary free agent. A like, lot of people are assuming Zion. I, you can't assume Zion because, yeah, you're guaranteed. Dog, the they top, got a frozen envelope. That shit, Knicks tape. Listen, Yo, the I'm bottom. Gonna, the bottom three teams all have this year. It just got put into effect. All have the exact same chance at that number one pick. I'm comfortable with John Morant from Murray State, and I'm comfortable with R.J. Barrett from Duke as well. I'm comfortable with R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think it's. What was it? Was it the Ben Simmons year? It might have been the Ben Simmons year where it was like, "Yo, it's Ben Simmons." And then everybody else, like Ben Simmons, is the A plus MVP player, and then everyone else is like an A minus B, which is cool. But like their ceiling is Clay Thompson, right? Which is still fine. But Clay Thompson is fine when you have the A pluses. Where Ben Simmons was the A plus, I feel like Zion is that man. We were watching that clip the other night. He's playing defense, perimeter defense. It's like this guy is. I'm slowly but surely um, coming around on Zion. I I feel like he's on Twitter and he's like, "Yo, you talking shit about my defense on the perimeter? I bet. Watch this next game. Yo, I can't shoot for three. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit four threes in this game. It's like he's just adding more and more. It's getting me more and more horny too. Yeah, that's Zion. I've I've actually had some arguments with people. John Squared, you guys know who you are, um, that are not Zion fans. John actually hit me up on Instagram today because I put up the picture, the, the Photoshop picture with Zion, KD, and Zion. Kyrie. He's like, yo, I he hate can't him. Stop, I can't. He can't stop talking about how much you hate Zion. Yeah. How do you hate a kid that's that athletic? It's like he's small. Yeah, okay. He's he's 6'8". 280. And he's he going like to be the second, he'll be the second heaviest player in the NBA next year. I will, I will say, when he gets thrown millions of dollars and he might be in New York in, like, prime 112. Game some weight? Yeah, hey. that would be a little worrisome. But we can save that for the draft preview. Um, You want to jump right into this AD real quick? Yeah. I think, so, like, yo, the Pelicans, man, they're, they're kind of drawing dead. That's, yeah. a, that's a poker term where it's like you look at your hands, you look what's on the table, and it's like you have no chance of winning this hand. That's how I feel the Pelicans are right now because he's told them that he's not going to resign. Teams know that. And apparently the word is that the Pelicans are open to trading him to any team out there except for the Lakers. Mm. But it's like the only team that's... Yo, the Lakers deal is absurd. The, Ingr- the Lakers can offer a lot. It's like Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, a first-round pick. It's like, yo, who's going to play? It's going to be LeBron, AD, and, and who? Mo Wagner? Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's like... The mellow trade on PEDs. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy to me because a lot of PEDs. Or like the it's the Shaq trade. Remember the Shaq trade from the Lakers to the to Miami. Ah, uh, they got Lamar Odom back. Yeah, but like Odom, guys, Odom, yeah, those was guys a key weren't contributor that young. for yeah, Odom was a beast. And they weren't that young anymore. You're but right, like Odom right. helped win a championship for them. But I can't remember the last hole like that because the Knicks, the Knicks trade for Melo. They gave away some good pieces. They but gave those away guys, like three starters and two draft picks. Yeah, one of them turned into Jamal Murray. No, I, don't, I don't feel like any of those guys have the potential that Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma have, though. No, for sure. That's and, fair. And Lonzo Ball. That, I, I think that not only... I, I I wonder if like the Pelicans are just like too proud to trade them to the Western Conference. I don't know why. They were they were set to trade Chris Paul last time this happened, and then the NBA got involved, and they ended up trading to the Clippers. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's just... Uh, I, don't, I don't get it, man. Pelicans... They're, they have the same owner as the Saints. Yeah, the, the Benson family. Yeah, like, not a bad friend. Like, I'm, I'm sure it could be it could be run a little bit better, but, like, I, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be that hesitant. They do. I believe they have the lowest attendance in the league. Yeah. The the Smoothie King Center, I think, is the name of it. Yeah, they, it is. Like, they had trouble filling up the playoffs last year, too. And, you know, they actually swept the Blazers. And then they played the Warriors, too, in the second round. And it's like, and you have a guy like Anthony Davis, man, who, you know, 
I'm on the fence about it. And and Marco, who we had on the show a, a couple months ago when we did the top 15 guys, do like the first 25, whatever it was. But you know, I wrote today in our chat, and I was talking about like, yo, a guy like Anthony Davis. I'm so on the fence about. It. He's like, what are you on the fence about? He's a, he's a top five MVP candidate year in year out. But it's like you got to know what you're signing up for. This guy. He misses time yep. like every year. You know, the last two years he's played 75 games, and those are like career highs. Outside of that, it's like a lot of 61, 63, yeah. 65, you know, and they tend to come later on in the season where he misses times and he misses time. And it might be like where you might need him to make that final playoff push. He's not there, or it might be in the playoffs. And, and what good are you to me, yo? As and, great as you are. And if you ask me, man, the writing's on the wall again because. They took his, it sounds so stupid, but he's out of like that pregame hype video. And if you ask me, you take the dude out the pregame hype video and he's sitting on the sidelines and the trade deadlines next week. It's kind of, it's kind of, I feel like he's played his last game as a Pelican. How, how can you not trade him to the Lakers if you're, if you're the Pelicans? The only way that you don't trade him to the Lakers is if a team takes a risk on a one and a half year, one and a half year rental. Who though? Like who the the Knicks were were said to be in they they offered KP in a first round pick I, I don't believe not this year's first round pick that's that was the the offer and they were afraid that KP wouldn't resign so they didn't they had no interest in KP yeah be, if you're rejecting trades for KP and you're rejecting trades for Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball what are you waiting for because I I feel like the only person that could offer anything close to that is Boston and they got all those fucking legal and they can't even they wait can't until the trade. off season right right. Yeah. They can't do it right now. I mean, like a Toronto, maybe. I don't know. But who is Toronto going to trade unless you trade Kawhi? You're trading. No, no, no. If you're Toronto, you're trading Pascal Siakam, OG Ananubi, probably Jonas Valanciunas, and like. Ibaka expiring. Nah, I think you keep Ibaka because if the point is is winning. Yeah. You know, and so you need Ibaka to win, which sounds crazy because he's actually been playing really well. Uh, It's it's a combination of like Siakam, OG. JV and like a first or something, but the problem is who even knows what first they can give. Um, although that's a, a, a spicy trade because you get to you know keep these guys. Pascal Siakam and OG are young kids, mm-hmm. uh, youngish, and well, they're in their second and third year yeah. in the league. And so, but so is Brandon Ingram, and so is Kyle Kuzma, and so is Lonzo Ball, and those and those three the guys have more Ball have is, more potential. Problem with Lonzo is he doesn't he doesn't want to stay in, in in on the Pelicans. I think right. He like came out and said like if you trade me to the Pelicans, um, I don't want to stay there. The problem is you don't have any leverage. You have two more years on your deal. So it's like what are you gonna do? Yeah, I agree with Lonzo. I agree with Ingram. I cannot disagree more on Kuzma. Kuzma's you don't like you don't like Kuzma. I think that's his ceiling. He's twenty four. The other dudes are. 19 and 20 it's like the issue with a kid that comes out as a senior like kuzma did it's like yo this is like yo he's a year younger than oladipo <laughs> it's like this is this is who Kuzma's gonna be he's not gonna be an all-star he'll be a serviceable fifth best guy on your team and that's cool you need guys like that but for a chance to get anthony davis yeah like, and I, I like and kuzma more than I, that no I, I like kuzma but i i think that's his ceiling i don't think you can he can't be an all star, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Where Lonzo I think and Ingram, ceiling, I, I, I think his ceiling is Blake Griffin. Kuzma? Yeah. I think that's his ceiling. Not like high flyer, but like just no, that, like that, type that of, output. Right, the output. Like Blake Griffin now. Bro. Not Blake Griffin like Blake Griffin now for the Pistons. Uh He's playing well for the Pistons. He's playing well. Him and he's Drummond, putting yeah. up. He's putting up twenty-two points. I think he's if not, like Kuzma could put more size on, not not height obviously because he's like what like six ten himself, but I think if he could put more weight on, um, get stronger, he can be a. Uh, remember like Rashard Lewis back in the day? Yeah, Rashard Lewis. Wow, Rashard, I like that one. Rashard Lewis was really good. Yo, he led the Magic to the final, bro. Good three point shooter too. I. That's kind of the vibe. Shady, that an I'm original getting. stretch four. He, yeah. was, he was ahead of his time. If yeah, he was playing, sure. now, if he was playing now, he'd be like a max guy. Yeah, yeah. he was dope. He yeah. was a max guy back then for a couple of years. He did get signed to a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Your, your boy, your boy, your boy been hot. My boy been hot. Your boy been hot. And so I have the takes from Mephimi over there. Are we are we going into the James Harden stuff now? Yeah, yeah. and you guys yeah. love to beef, and I I love to be like the referee in the between in the middle of you two. I just don't understand the love. I don't understand. You watch the the, the Rockets games. I yeah, know, yeah, I know you do. Yeah, yeah. How? So, all right. So you got to factor in a bunch of things, right? He, the run that he's been been on, 
it's not impressive at all to you look in in the sense of the numbers are gaudy yeah it's been impressive but it's because of volume the dude shot 41 times one time mm-hmm. all right i i understand but my question to you is who do you want shooting the shots on that team look at the roster on this run that he's been on no capella no chris paul Eric Gordon has not been the sixth man of the year that he's been. They don't have uh, Boa Mute anymore. They don't have Ariza anymore. It's like these guys, it's like he's doing it with, I hate to be a dick, but bums. Like, yo, you take Harden off this team, they're a G League team. Like, without a doubt, without a doubt, he's, he's willing them to win. He's doing what he has to. And... Look, he took him from a team that was a fringe playoff team to they peaked at the four seed. I don't know where they're at right now, but it was because of the run that he was going on. And yeah, it seems like, you know, I forgot where I was reading this, but they compared it to when you play at the park or, mm-hmm. or, or you go watch like a fifth or sixth grade basketball game. And it's like that one kid that's 12 years old, but he should really be playing with 16 years old because he's so ahead of his time and so ahead of his age group. Where it's like, yo, let's just give him the ball. Everyone else just spread out. And if you get double team, throw it to little Billy in the corner so he can shoot a three. Right. If not, dominate. But I can't fault him for that because it's working. It's it's working to an extent. They're beating teams that they're that they should beat. Fifth seed. Now they're the fifth seed. And they're losing the teams that they should lose to. Like they're they're right in that middle area where they're supposed to be. And just watching the product on the court bothers me because here's what it is. And I, I just think it's always going to be the same end game for, for James Harden. It's he's going to impress you during the regular season. Half of his points are coming on the free throw line because he has two elite skills. He can handle the ball, and he's quick as fuck. Those are two elite skills that he has. And his quickness and his elusiveness makes him very hard to guard. He takes advantage of that. But when it's, the play, it's, it's playoff time and when it's time to really step up, he never does. And you saw it last year. And I, I don't mean to mention it again, but I'm going to mention it again. Game 7, 0 for 11 from 3. Mm. The whole team shot bad, though. But that's the point. The point is when the whole team shoots bad, you're the superstar. You're the MVP. You got to be the guy. All right. So, so I'm definitely going to push back on that because the run that he's on right now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the playoffs. I know he has his struggles in the playoffs, but he also didn't have Chris Paul when they were completely down. If you look at any analytic stat, any number, anything – about that series, they absolutely pummeled the Warriors in that. P.J. Tucker, the reason why the Warriors went out and got Boogie Cousins is, is they needed a big guy that could control and box out a guy like P.J. Tucker who was getting rebounds on like Klay uh, Thompson and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. They didn't, needed that nasty. And sure, they, they went on a run where they went 0 for 27 from 3 as a team, right? And he was 0 for 7 in that stretch too. And I get that. And I get the playoff things, but I... I, I have to show him love and respect for him putting up a month that only Will Chamberlain has averaged more points yeah. in a month we, in NBA history. And he's he's closing in on if the season was to end right now, he'd be in a class with it's four Will Chamberlain years, uh, a MJ year and him as the most points per game in a season. A lot of people are going on the record saying that and Tim's going to hate this. Tim's going to hate what I'm about I know, to say. I know what you're going to say. A lot, they said the same thing about Melo when he was in his prime. A lot of people are going on the record saying that Harden could be the best offensive player of all time. That's, or one of the best offensive players of all time. That's what people say when you're a volume shooter. And you have to... The, that's what they said about the, Melo. The only thing that I can say is that, like, yo, Harden... He's he's not... He, he snags 10 dimes a game, though. 10 assists. He, he's, he's, he's getting double teamed. He's, he's assisting. And also, like, he's not a volume shooter like Russ. Russ is a volume shooter and shoots the lowest not percentage He's not from efficient. three yeah. of any player in NBA history. That's from three though. But I'm saying Harden is in like the forty in like the high thirty percent. Yeah, but he's shooting forty like two percent. Can you check on that? Yeah, he's shooting in the low forties from the field. I'm pretty sure his numbers, uh, percentage wise, are higher than they were in his MVP season. And, and he's that being MVP efficient. season, I don't think that he could that he efficient. You can look if Steph Curry. Shot the ball forty one times. Of course, Tim. That's he the best 80. shooter of all time. Yeah, without a doubt. So where are we where are we talking about best best player of all time? It's if no no best offensive best yeah, stop, best if offensive Clay player. had that many attempts, if LeBron had that many attempts, if AD had that many attempts, if Kawhi Leonard had that many attempts, if Giannis had that many attempts, if any player in the NBA had that many attempts, he'd be doing the same thing James Harden is doing. It's just that he's playing by himself. Yeah, because he has no one on his team that could carry that load, so he has to take on this role. 
But he does this even when the other guys are there. Nah, he didn't. He, he doesn't do it to this extent. But that's. But he also doesn't score sixty. He scores thirty-five. I'm trying to find his field goal percentage, but it won't load. He doesn't. He doesn't shoot as much as like when Chris Paul and Capella are out there, and it's, it's completely different when you take away the two best guys on your team, your two sidekicks. And look, and 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 say, you know, criticize the Rockets all you want. You know, say what you want. They will finish with the third seed in the West at least. They're I don't eight know. over. They're eight over five hundred right top- now. I think they'll play for home court in the first round. So, like, a four seed, I think, is is possible. And, yo, I can feel Shooting you. Shooting 40, 43%. 43%. But, like, so, which is It's not horrible when you're shooting 35 times. And, shooting, and he shot, in his in his MVP season, he shot 44%. So, this so he's, around, he's around the same. And the only thing that I and can And he's say, shooting more now. Way more. And he yeah, gets to the free is, throw line, which is great. Free buckets. I mean, um, that is a very good... Part of his game, but it's also a game that's in a part of his game that's extremely frustrating. It makes it hard to watch. But you cannot fault the man for getting to the line. That's that's an impressive skill that he has. I'm not gonna hate on it. One last thing on 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 Houston. So they're right behind Portland, Oklahoma City, Denver, and Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston is five game essentially. Houston's two games behind Portland and three games behind Oklahoma City. Remember that I said this. In a few weeks, probably after the All-Star break, maybe a couple weeks into the into the second half, they will be the third seed in the West. Yeah, they're also going to get back Chris Paul. They're going to get back Capella, too. Those aren't season-ending injuries, and you add those guys into the mix. Yeah, he's not going to be going on this run, but I think the fact that he— Yo, they weren't in the playoffs when he started this run. No. So they that, had a losing record. They had a losing record. They and had, he, they've, they're playing with G-leaguers. Yeah. It, let's look at the teams they beat, though. Like yeah, there's, I get there's that. not many impressive. What's boss always say? You got to be who's on your schedule, right? Yeah. Sure, but I mean, is it? Golden State's won eleven in a row, by the way. I mean, that's. Ten, about I the, think it's ten in a row. Oh, it's ten. Ten. Well, it's double digits. I think that's what I heard. Yeah. They just lost to the Pelicans. But let's 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 go through this a little bit. I won't waste too much time. But that's the, the they Pel- lost to the Pelicans. The they reason- beat they beat the Magic. They beat the Raptors. <laughs> impressive. They beat the Knicks. They lost to the Sixers. They just beat the Lakers. They lost to the Nets. They just beat the Grizzlies. They lost to the Magic. They they blew out the Cavs, but they're the Cavs. They lost to the Bucks. Like they're winning the games they're supposed to win, and they're losing the games they're supposed to lose. And, yeah, and because they're, they're shorthanded. I, it, you could say it's because they're shorthanded. I don't know if that's the case. It's definitely because they're shorthanded. Don't, don't forget, I, earlier I in the season like to lose that game, even what? if don't even forget, Spitgate. I don't think they have Spitgate. any chance of, of winning a, of winning a championship. None, zero chance. Yeah, but that's that's not the point. It man. is the point. No, it's not. I, it the run that he's been on the last twenty five games that he's been on is a historic run. It's you historic. have to give the the guy credit for that. Yeah. If he was doing, you it realize one, one team wins a championship. Fashion. One team wins a championship. So everyone else is a bum because you can't win a ring. Like nothing else is impressive to you. No, but if you're if you're gonna. Be people be calling you the greatest scorer of all fucking time? Sure, Dan Marino's the greatest quarterback of all time. A lot of people say physical tools and 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 throwing a football, but he's never won a championship. There's been many guys, many guys. Yo, it's hard to win a championship, man. Yeah. I used to be, I used to be someone that was an Eli lover, and I still am to this day. And my argument used to be like, I used to point to my fingers, rings. But it was like until I got older as a sports fan and I matured, and you know now we do it semi pro, I guess. Right, we have a podcast, we have an outlet. I have to research certain things. It's like, yo, man, it's it's hard, bro. I can't fault LeBron James for in the finals. I get you there, and Kyrie Irving blows out his knee in the first in game one, yeah. and then and then Love got his shoulder ripped out by by Kelly Olynyk. You know, like it, it it happens, guys. Guys, mad shit has to go in into you winning a championship. I hear you, and all of that, you are completely one hundred percent correct. But if you're gonna be called the greatest of anything all time. You got to be more efficient. You got to be doing it in a better way. But he and is you efficient. Know what? Hats, 43% from the field is not efficient. When you're shooting 35 times, yeah, that's impressive. He's it not is. putting up 40 no. shots and he's shooting 22%. It's not it but it's not efficient cuz we just said that half of those things are half of those are coming from the the free throw line anyway. But that's not factoring in your field goal percentage. It's not. Yeah. So it's still impressive that he's shooting that higher percentage. I don't think it's impressive that he's shooting at 43%. I don't care how many times you got to shoot. You got to shoot over 43%. We'll see. I don't know. Are you going to be you, the best scorer ever? If you're a volume shooter and you shoot in the 40s, that's impressive. Ah, who, who's the last person to shoot 30% as a volume shooter? Russell Westbrook. When? His MVP season. He, he shot 30%. No, not from three, he did. No, I'm not talking about from three. That's he probably story. shot under 40%, though. No, he did it, definitely did not shoot for under 40%. Oh, you could check that. I think I think it was, it, it was low, but... 
Yeah. Hmm. All right. I mean, I'm checking. You know, the internet takes a little bit. I uh, I don't know if you guys want to wait for me. <laughs> I, man, you know whose take I'd like on this? Hmm. Our guy, Ben Golliver. Nice. La- last year, Russ shot 45%. The year before that, he shot 43%. But the year before that, he shot 46%. So his MVP season, so his MVP saw, season was his lowest field goal percentage. Which, which is the same thing that that uh, James Harden is doing now. Look, but he, shot 40, but he shot 34% from three that year. Which Harden's is, is higher. He's not a three-point shooter, like you said. Look, I... Yeah, he's a volume shooter. That I'm can't saying shoot. both of the, I'm saying both of them. LeBron James was the MVP in both those years. He was. He wasn't. Well, he wasn't. I, I, I can honestly... We can listen, talk about this all day. I can listen to this all day, but you know whose take I want on this? Who? Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. Oh, Let's oh. do it. Yeah. What, what a coinky dink. And it's funny that we mentioned that because, you know... All right, guys, really excited to uh, announce our guest. We have Benjamin Golliver here from the Washington Post. Ben, thanks for joining us. We have Tim here, uh, Nick here, and Impy here. What's yo, yo. going on, brother? Not too much. You guys just mentioned you're hurting. Is that is that Porzingis-related hurt? Uh, let me let me start by saying I think we don't know how to feel. When, when, when you get your heart broken, there's usually stages of it, right? It's like first you're in shock, then you're in grief, and so on and so forth. And so I think right now us three, uh, we're big Knicks fans, uh, diehards at this point. Uh, and, and I think we don't really know how to react. And so we'd love your take because uh, we're in shock at the moment. Well, it's fascinating. You're in a boomer bust chapter for your fan base because the the best case scenario is unbelievable. Maybe the one of the greatest eras of Nick basketball could be opening. The worst case scenario is about as dark as it gets. And let me just paint the two of them for you. I mean, best case scenario, you move forward here. You've got Zion Williamson with the number one draft pick. You've got max space for Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, you sign both those guys, and you either keep Zion or you flip him uh, for, say, Anthony Davis next summer. And now you've got a, you know, a fast track straight to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals. Now, the worst-case scenario is Golden State and Boston meet in the Finals this year. Both Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie decide, hey, we're just going to stay where we are. Those two max slots are basically going to guys like Tobias Harris uh, or Kemba Walker in a best-case scenario. And rather than winning the draft lottery and getting Zion, you get stuck with you know a backup plan or you know the number two pick in a, a one-player draft, and you're stuck thinking about a guy like R.J. Barrett. So your big three next year could either be Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and Zion, you know, or it could be Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett. Man, that is a wide, wide spectrum of possibilities here for the New York Knicks. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more, man, because I always feel like anytime you give up, if you look at the history of the NBA, anytime a big name like a Porzingis or the best player in the trade goes elsewhere, the return is never the same, right? Like Kevin Garnett, if you go all the way back there, uh, you know, that that's like the big example. But my question for this, is, you know, staying with the Knicks a little bit is, do you think there was any concern that his knee might not be where they thought it would be and they got rid of it? Yeah, I think you have two factors. First of all, there's no question his health concerns. I mean, remember uh, Phil Jackson used to complain about that constantly, right? All, all the, uh, you know, worries, could he stay healthy? Was he going to be able to have a, a long career? I think that was part of it. And then the second part is his attitude. I mean, he was kind of just darting the Knicks front office repeatedly here over the last couple of years. It sounds like it came to a head on Thursday with a trade request. You know, they put it into their uh official press release saying that Porzingis basically asked out and so they felt compelled to make the trade you rarely see an organization do that and you can also just tell by how they handled it that it got pretty fraught you know usually when you're trading a player of his magnitude something like the press release goes on and on bending over backwards saying how great he was for the organization how tough a moment was to trade him and all that the Knicks press release is like three sentences long it basically said he he requested a trade so we traded him we thank him for his services, and by the way, we thank Trey Burke too. It's like, okay, if you're getting mentioned in the same in the same category as Trey Burke, and you're supposed to be the franchise guy for a decade, that tells you there was some real breakdown there. And I think again, you can look at this two ways. You know, the, the positive glasses half full approach is look, they got backed into a corner with Porzingis. Maybe he didn't want to be there long term, and they moved the problem on quickly. They didn't, you know, sit around in denial, and they kind of. Uh, you know, put forward a path that they can move on, uh, you know, immediately. The, be- the the glass is half empty approach would say, 
a franchise should never have such a poor relationship with its franchise player. It should never come to the point where you feel the need to trade him when he's still on his rookie deal, when he's still 23 years old, when he's still a potential all-star player who hasn't even reached his uh, his ceiling yet. It should never get that ugly. And I think in this situation, uh, I think both things can be true. I think the Knicks can be losers because of how they manage the Chris Stapps relationship over the course of the last four years. And I think they can also be winners for moving on before it got even uglier. I think lately the sentiment around the Knicks is that the franchise has been improving. But at the same time, like you said, this guy Chris Stapps, it, the rumor has it that he's calling people up and being like, yeah, don't sign here because I'm not re-signing here. Um, when you have an organization that is historically terrible and an owner that is notoriously terrible, uh, what do you think the odds are that they could actually come through here and sign two max guys that will make a difference? Well, what we're learning is if a player wants to do it, it will happen in the NBA. And you can see the way the Knicks are positioning themselves. Isn't this exactly the same blueprint that Magic Johnson the Lakers had last year, which was let's get two max slots. One of them's going to LeBron. One of them's going to go to a guy like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or whoever else. We're just going to completely tear the thing down and, and just be a landing pad uh, for these big-time free agents to sort of build around them. Now, the strategy half worked for the Lakers, right? They got LeBron, and you know it was working quite well until he got injured. I mean, they were in playoff position. Everything was going great. Uh, it's been a little bit more dire recently. If you're the Knicks, you don't necessarily need to land two all-stars right if you get kevin durant that is the greatest thing that's happened to you in like 15 20 years right i mean that's a huge home run and so if you've just kind of cleared the decks and made yourself more appetizing to him you know that's fantastic and and they should be applauded for that i mean there's no question you, you should trade chris Stapps porzingis for kevin durant if you have the opportunity to do that and that's how they would be operating in kind of an indirect way uh you know it all boils down to me though is how happy is kevin durant and how much risk are you extending by trying to be the team that lands him? This guy is very, very hard to read. He never really seems happy or comfortable or completely secure in where things stand. And even all the winning in Golden State hasn't necessarily solidified those things for him. It still seems like he has a wandering eye or you know, he, he might be looking for something else. Uh, maybe you know more touches, more shots, his own opportunity, something along those lines. New York's best path forward here was to maximize their chances to get him, I think. And they have done that with this trade, even though it's incredibly painful to lose a player like Porzingis. Yeah, uh, we're still hurting, I think. Uh, speaking on, you know, going from one player that essentially forced his way uh, to another, uh, Anthony Davis, right? Uh, AD, uh, essentially, what, a year and a half left on his contract and all kind of all signs are pointing to the Lakers. Um, my question to you regarding Anthony Davis is, do you think he gets moved before the trade deadline? And if he does, would a team potentially take a risk on renting him for a year and a half? Or do you think the team that he gets traded to, a la Lakers, uh, it's the team that he will re-up with? Well, look, New Orleans was kind of like posturing that they wanted to trade him any to anyone but the Lakers. The Knicks would have been a great option there because it sounded like AD might have wanted to go there. And they could have put together a package, which was like, you know, their first round pick coming up and Porzingis. And if you're in New Orleans, you'd have to really think about that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now that package is off the table. So if you're Dell Demps, it's like back to the drawing board. Who else besides the Lakers is going to make you a really strong offer? I think there are a few gutsy GMs out there like Masai Ujiri. Mm -hmm. That guy will risk it all, man. Like he does not care, you know, at all. And if it comes down to putting together a package, to just take a flyer on AD and try to get him in and, and make a run to the finals this year. I could see somebody like that doing it, but we know Boston's hands are tied basically until the summer. Uh, we know that a lot of the other teams, I think in the Western conference would be really afraid of that Lakers boogeyman. You know, like if you're Denver or Portland, one of these teams who's trying to get over the top and, and, you know, maybe make a run to the conference finals, you have to be really scared that AD is going to leave you high and dry down the road. And, and you probably have to think twice if I'm the Pelicans, I'm trying to move Anthony Davis as soon as possible to just get on with the future. I understand all the hangups that people say, oh, wait for the Boston offer and all that. I mean, you're, you're basically keeping your franchise paralyzed and in stasis until you, you finally pull the trigger on a Davis deal. And I don't think that's healthy for your coaches, your players, your executives, or anybody. I'd be trying to move him before the deadline. And I have a suspicion the best offer is going to be coming from the Lakers. Mm -hmm. If they're just going to be stubborn and not trade him to the Lakers, well, you know, good luck, whatever. You know, it's it, for me, 
the Pelicans are already kind of an afterthought in the NBA. And if they decide to shut down Davis for the rest of the season, just to try to squeeze a little bit more out of him, I think it's a terrible look for their franchise. It would have a, a terrible message around the NBA. Uh, and I think, you know, if I'm a free agent player, I would never want to sign with a team that conducts its business like that. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that. I also think there'd be a prime candidate to maybe move. Staying with the West as we wrap up here, because I know you're really busy with all this craziness that took place today. Uh, a guy who's been a very uh, controversial figure here on this show, because everyone that listens know my, knows my love for the beard, James Harden. And my hate. And uh, Tim's hate, <laughs> and we got into it earlier in the show. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on him and the run that he's been on, man? Because that's something that we've only seen once before. Uh, over 45 points he was averaging, close to 46 points, I believe it was, in the month of January. And he literally willed his team to victory with some of these injuries. Uh, a lot of people are on the fence on how this is, you know, it, it seems like it's a fifth grade team that's playing where you just give the ball to the best player. Everyone else clears out and, you know, go win us the game. How do you how do you feel about James Harden's style of play and what you've seen the last six weeks? Well, I love I, I can sense the tension. You guys are ready to go to blows over James Harden, whether he's <laughs> he's, he's the great, greatest scorer of the modern era or a cheap shot artist. And all yeah, that stuff. exactly. I mean, he, he, he's the most polarizing guy. The, the thing I've compared him to recently, it's like. Have you ever been to one of those avant-garde art shows where they're like throwing chicken blood on the wall and mm -hmm. they're telling you that it's art and you're just sitting there thinking like, I mean, I guess it's art. Like, I don't know if I really get it. But then the people who do get it are just like all about it. They're like, oh, this is so beautiful. This is like revolutionary. I've never seen anything like it. James Harden is that kind of an acquired taste, right? Like, I think there's a lot of beauty to his game. Everybody calls him an ugly player. He seeks fouls, all that stuff. The fact that he can control his defenders' bodies better than they can control their own bodies, to me, it's it's just masterful. And he just manipulates these guys like a puppet master. So I love to see it. And I have a lot of respect for how he plays. At the same time, I would hate to be one of his teammates mm -hmm. because, you know, standing around and watching for 46 minutes a night and, uh, you know, running back and forth and being asked to play defense and never getting to touch the ball. And when you do get to touch the ball, you better shoot that three-pointer immediately and you better make it because that's the only thing they're asking you to do, it would be hard to kind of create an elite culture and an elite buy-in uh, in this kind of a scenario. So I think while Harden deserves plenty of credit, uh, when we're looking forward to how seriously do we have to take them in the playoffs, I would say not as seriously as last year unless Chris Paul can get back on that all-star, all-NBA type level so that they can have a better balance and a better team approach. If that doesn't happen, I think Houston's probably going to go out in the second round. And if they do make it to the conference finals, I think they're getting swept by Golden State. Yeah. Real quick before we let you go, if you had to put a percentage number on KP re-signing with the Mavericks, what would you put it on? Um, that's a great question because he, he's talking this whole qualifying offer thing, which is really weird. And guys don't usually do that. And, and to me, that means it's probably a posturing situation where he wants to make sure he gets the full max on his second contract. And when you have those health concerns, sometimes that's not an automatic, uh, an automatic uh, situation where teams maybe are a little bit hesitant or they want to build in some protections. One thing we know about Mark Cuban, though, this dude takes care of his players. And you don't even have to be as good as Chris Stapps Porzingis. You could be Harrison Barnes and Chandler Parsons, and you're getting taken care of uh, by Mark Cuban. So I would actually say the odds that he re-signs with the Mavericks on a very lucrative, most likely a max extension, to me it would be something like 75, 80, 90%. I mean, it, it way more likely than not. Yeah. Um, and he should really seriously consider it. I mean, the pairing between him and Doncic – looks great on paper. I mean, you got a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop combination. You've got two big-time shooters from well outside the three-point line, so you can construct awesome lineups around those guys, be really, really potent. And then defensively, we know Luka doesn't work on that end, so you better have somebody who can block shots behind him, and that's really where Porzingis comes into the equation. Ben. Thanks so much, brother. Really appreciate the time. Uh, for the folks out here listening, uh, where can they reach you, and uh, what other projects are you working on, or where can they reach you? Yeah, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. I'm on Twitter at Ben Golliver. Uh, and I also have the Open Floor NBA podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot, man. Man, oh, man. Mm -hmm. well, uh, what uh, next couple of months uh, we have to look forward to, I guess. Right? Yeah, this More is where the, the NBA is heating up. NFL is over. This, it, it's gut check time. Yeah, and really quickly, the fact that it's, uh, what, Super Bowl week and the NBA has the headlines? 
Listen, man, the NBA knows what they're doing. Yeah. They, they were the first ones to accept social media and let you post their stuff without needing rights from the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's why NBA Twitter became its own community. And it's it's become, to me, it's the most compelling league in the world. They were the first one on betting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well, well, Adam Silver was pro betting. He came out. He, he was came out and was one. like, I want right. to get in on this shit because I see what it does for Jaguars, Titans on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they, they, they're they a, a league that it's become, it's become, you know, he was talking about the summers. Ben was talking about the summers and, you know, we're talking about the next couple months. For us, it's the draft. And, you know, after the NBA finals, you get the draft and then all of July is free agency. And the last couple of years has been a wild trade that goes goes down in August. And then before you know it, they're showing up in September for camps. Season starts in October. It's become a 12-month sport. Yeah. All right. That was awesome, though. That was really great. Uh, really great perspective. Uh, ben Goliver, Washington Post again. The real deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, Tim. Let's sign off, Tim, if they want to reach you, where are they finding you? At Tim Patrop on all social media outlets at the bottom of the Hudson River. <laughs> Nick? <laughs> At the at the Lamb Show, I love the Hudson reference. At the Lamb Show on Twitter, Instagram, and on Twitch. At Degeneration Bet this week, Impy and I full full breakdown of Super Bowl props from exotic props to game props to player props. What to all the props in the world? Lollipops, out. Lollipops. Hello, man. Uh, and if you want to reach me, it's impy seven one eight. You already know on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow the show, please do that at Veterans Minimum on Instagram and Twitter. Leave a review. Please do. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. Mm. Goes a long way. Guys, NBA on the way. Peace. See you again. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.